previously on Too Close to Home. On part one of the Toy Box Killer, we got to meet all the integral main characters. We got to hear about the magnificent Toy Box. And we left with our first victim, Cynthia, on the verge of possible escape. Let's get in it. I don't want to kill unless it's absolutely necessary. If I killed every victim I ever kidnapped, there'd be bodies all over the country. And that's another fine, fine bit of English vernacular out of David Parker Ray's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> this is Jen. This is Becky. And this is Too Close to Home, part two, Toy Bus Killer. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. That's the only excitement we'll have. Because <laughs> it's going to get real sad. Real sad, real fast. So we're going to pick back up with Miss Cynthia. And as you remember, she had just basically lost all hope after reading the signs of Don't Trust a Chained Captive. So we're on day three of torture for Cynthia. And she finally found her opportunity to escape. So Ray had to go to work. And so she was just with old Cindy Hindi, just the two of them, girl time. <laughs> so <laughs> there's nothing like a Tuesday afternoon with your sex slave. Nothing like it, <laughs> really, guys. So Hindi got a phone call about some kind of possible business deal, and she got really excited. And she walked out of the room and was on the phone when her hurried escape out to talk about this business deal. Who fuck knows what it was? I don't know what kind of business venture she could be going on with anybody, but. I don't know if I want to know. She left the keys to the padlock sitting on the table. So. Cindy Hindi. Cindy Hindi. Don't walk <laughs> Cynthia, obviously, starts over, grabs them, starts undoing the padlock. So she gets the first one undone. And just as she's starting on the second one, Cindy Hindi comes back around the corner and sees her. Hindi ran over, grabbed a lamp. And hit Cynthia over the head with it. Well, Cynthia was like, nah, bitch, I'm not about this life. And I got enough adrenaline. I ain't going down. Yes. So as she's getting hit with the lamp over the head, she is still undoing the second padlock. Get it, bitch. Uh, Right? A survivor. Yes. And she gets it undone. And she turns around because she's still fighting old Cindy Hindi. And she manages to fight her off. She manages to get to the phone, dial 911. Obviously not sit there and have a conversation with him. She just dialed it, put the phone down. And then she sees an ice pick sitting on the table. And she runs over and gets the ice pick and starts stabbing Cindy Hindi. <laughs> gets her in the back of the fucking neck. But it was just a very... The tall bikes ain't no fun anymore, is it? <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's going to be like when you get in the joint. Shit, <laughs> shit, shit. <laughs> she only gets her very superficial in the back of the neck. And then she hauls ass out the door. Well, we'll tell about the 911 call. So at 3.22 p.m. to be exact, New Mexico Sierra County 911 emergency dispatch received a strange call from a residence at 513 Bass Road. When the operator answered, she said no one spoke on the other end. All she could make out was what sounded like a scuffle. And then the call abruptly ended. So the operator, she called back. She said a woman answered the phone said everything was cool, 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 and mm. that the call was just a mistake, and she hung up. 
That's Cap. <laughs> fucking dead. You can't not do that to me. <laughs> You've been waiting. And your I opportunity have. presented. <laughs> and you came in clutch. Bet. <laughs> I'm leaving, y'all. Sorry. The podcast is over. I'm gone. <laughs> so this dispatcher who had some sense about her was like, tis, tis, tis. I, this ain't all adding up. I'm going to send the police out there. See some. Say, say something. something. Do something. Do, do a little drive-by. Just all do you a little peek. Do, just a little peek That's what they decided to do. Just do a little drive-by. Do a little peek Good on them. So, the cop starts doing a little drive-by out there. <laughs> Meantime, the same time, Cynthia is running butt booty naked, barefoot, <laughs> with the dog collar on down the road with the chain. <laughs> Flapping in the wind. Do something. Or see something. I would have paid that chain up as... Treated it like a whip. Oh, I don't know. This bitch was just like. <laughs> she gets out to the road and there's a car coming by. So she runs up to the car. And the people kind of stop because they see someone running up. And person kind of cracks the window. And she comes up. Bloody. Dog collar. Naked. naked and they were like. I'm out. <laughs> and they drove the fuck off. But they did get to whatever destination and called 911. So now 911 gets another call in the same area. Hey, there's a naked lady running around with a dog collar. And they just had a sus call before that. The cop is still making his way out there. Well, two off-duty uh, park rangers were listening on their police scanner and heard it. So they figure, oh, Naked lady, I need to go find out what this, what's going on. It's <laughs> not sound kosher. No. But let's go see. Because I feel like there's probably meth and stuff going on in this small town. So oh, they're probably oh, like, yeah. is it just like crazy meth? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they done got out again. <laughs> so now we got people all over trying to figure out what's going on. The car drives off, leaves poor Cynthia out there hanging about. Well, she's seen a trailer in the distance with lights on. So she shagged ass over there. She didn't knock, she just busted up in there. And there's, it's an old couple, older couple. And the lady's doing dishes and just kind of turns around <laughs> like, well, hearing all the commotion because she starts screaming, help me, yada, yada. The husband comes out and he sees her and said he just stood there for a minute just staring at her, like not doing anything because I'm sure he was like. You're not expecting that. Yeah. Like someone, okay, first off, someone coming through your door. Unsurprising. Whoa, crazy. Second, first thing you're going to notice, naked. Wow. Blood everywhere. Third, why is she wearing a dog color? What <laughs> yeah. are the questions? I have every question. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> so they immediately go into protection mode and start helping her. The wife calls 911 and the husband goes and gets a bathrobe and covers her up. And Cynthia said the thing she remembered most is she kept saying, I don't want him to, you know, like freaking out. I don't want him to get me. I don't want him to get me. And the man kept telling her, I promise you, he's not going to get you. I won't let him. And she said that was so comforting to her that he just... That was the first bit of comfort she had had in three days. Yeah. And that he just, you know, wrapped his arms around, put the robe, and promised her he wasn't going to let them get her. That same day, on March 22nd, 1999, police apprehended Ray and his girlfriend, Cindy Hindi, who was covered in blood from getting shanked with the ice pick. Yeah, she should. As they were spotted driving out of Ele Elephant Butte. So they were just going to... Casually drive off down the road. Well, as they were driving off, one of uh, Parker Ray's co-workers was driving by and just, oh, hey, how you doing? Well, then he sees police up the road 
the park rangers that heard on the police scanner, they know it's at his house. So they're like, hey, look, they called. All this is going on, yada, yada. And he's like, oh, well, I just seen him and Cindy. They're leaving town going that way. Very cash. Yeah, that's what he said. Very cash. <laughs> Direct quote. <laughs> Direct quote. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> or cap. <laughs> cap. What? No cap. I don't know. I don't no know cap. That. No lie. There you go. <laughs> there we go. They swing back around, go and scoop them up. They're like, not today. Not today. Which they said was kind of ironic that they just left casually out the main street because him being a park ranger, he knew all kinds of back ways and whatnot around the land to get away. But he just, guess, you know, what is it they say? Uh, hide in plain sight? Yeah. But it didn't He work. probably thought like, oh, well, they're going to think I'm going to be here when I'm not. Yeah. No. Didn't work. He didn't put as much thought into that as he did his toy box. (laughs) Didn't put your thinking cap on, did you, Ray? (laughs) So they were immediately charged with kidnapping, aggravated battery, um, among other charges, and held on a $1 million bail each. That's That's in the 90s. That's a lot of money. That is. That's like celebrity bond or serial killer bond. That's a good bond. Yeah. You ain't getting out, son. We're We're not playing this game right here. They go back and they start searching the trailer and then that's when they find everything for a real life horror movie. They discovered a videotape from 1996. Um, It showed a terrified woman being raped and tortured by Ray and his girlfriend. At this time, they didn't know who this woman was. They also found a second trailer. In the second trailer, there were medical instruments, anatomy textbooks, all kinds of more torture horrific anatomy textbooks yeah yeah like i don't need you doing no experiments sir (laughs) or any more explaining as to what he was doing home i'm gonna be a no for me obviously this news goes public pretty quickly um because it's pretty horrific and gruesome which they also immediately had to call in the fbi because as you can imagine this little small town police force was like I don't really know I what the fuck this is. Yeah. <laughs> we are not ready for this. No. We just have Jan from the church take our photographs most of the time. Because <laughs> she works down at the Sears part time. Yeah. Like, doing the glamour shots. <laughs> you know, this is a small ass town. They don't have shit for nothing like this. No. I mean, even in today, somebody like him, a lot of places aren't prepared for what he was doing. No. When this goes public, another woman... Angelica Montano, who was an acquaintance of Ray's, who had previously stopped at his house to borrow cake mix and then was drugged, raped, and tortured for four days before being left on the highway in the desert, decided to come forward and be like, hey. (laughs) Yeah. She was only released by him after he pleaded. She pleaded with him that she had to leave and go take care of her son. And he actually told her... You're a lot nicer than I thought you would. You were. If I would have known you were this nice, I never would have kidnapped you. Oh my god! Which, first of all, is bullshit. Yeah. Don't but, don't be trying to justify your shit. Exactly. Now, she was found by police after her incident. So, she was friends with Cindy Hindi, and she had invited her. And then homegirl came over to get some cake mix, whatnot. And then that's when they. Drugged her and all, whatnot, kept her for four days. Well, when they released her, they just dumped her on the side of the highway. So she's all bruised, bloody, walking home, trying to figure out where she is, and a cop passed her. 
So he stopped and picked her up and was like, hey, you look like you need a ride. <laughs> so well, like some shits went down. Yeah. He starts taking her home and asking her like, hey, you know what happened? And when they released her, they told her not to tell police. So at first she was hesitant. Well, then she decided to tell him. So she told him everything and he believed her. And he was like, we're going to go to the police station. We're going to do a statement. So And she like freaked out and was like, no. Because at this point, she's starting to think, oh, my God, I've already told the police once. I can't tell them again. So when she refused to go to the police station, then he started like questioning, well, did this really happen? And so he takes her close to her house. She won't tell him exactly where she lives and he drops her off and they never do any follow up. You would think that, I don't know, I'm not a cop. I don't know. Maybe if someone doesn't file official report, they don't go by a couple days later to check on him and be like, hey, like you sure you don't want to? It probably depends on the the cop, like those people who are really in it. Wait, I'll, I'll describe it. Um. My captain, he was like, every cop I know has gotten into being to policing because they want to shoot guns and drive fast. And so he started asking people walking down the hallway <laughs> and all of them had that version until he gets to one investigator. And he goes, why did you get into policing? He goes, my mother was murdered by a man mm. with an axe. And the only person I remember that was kind to me in that time was that police officer. And oh, I was wow. like, fuck. <laughs> like, well, this joke of a day of Kiki Keen about why people into law enforcement just took a dark fucking Yeah, <laughs> we were all like, oh, we're so sorry to hear about that. <laughs> Shit just got awkward. <laughs> That's really sad. It is. And I was like, he went to detail. Like, she was killed by a man with an axe. And I was like, fuck. Do you remember him? You should look it up and do a podcast episode on it. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember what his name. I'm going to have to look at. I'm going to have to ask somebody what his name was yeah look it up i don't know why i didn't do it then maybe because i was in the cop stuff so i was already all up in their business and being nosy as shit <laughs> i was always being like so what's going on y'all tell me about this oh yeah 100 percent, <laughs> but nobody ever did any fault like i said but i don't know what they're they probably don't have like a policy or protocol that says that they have to. It probably be more. It would be have to be somebody like him that actually gave a shit and yeah. wanted to go back and like, hey, look, I just want to come back and see if you changed your mind. If anything, you know what I mean? Right. She left the state shortly after that. She was like, I'm done with this place. Holla at you, girl. And she bounced out. <laughs> Direct quote. Holla. <laughs> I got to bounce. Got to go. Kelly Garrett, she was a family friend of Ray who was tortured and released after being given drugs, actually did go to the police. But despite her detailed testimony, which includes Ray's name and address, the police didn't believe her and never so much as visited Ray's house. Even Garrett's husband believed that she had a consensual affair with Ray and he even divorced her over it. Straight up divorced her i hope he feels like shit and here's the thing so she went missing for a couple days and when she made her way back home it was after being dumped on the side of the road with her throat cut that she survived and she was like now she had been drugged up during this whole time so she was like i think that they kidnapped me and held me there and they were like doing shit to me. And they were all like, mm, mm, mm. Sure. Likely if, if story. If it did happen, you would remember that. You were out being a hoe. <laughs> Even though she had bruises all over her throat, cut everything. Like, that's what, like, now she just rolled back up looking like, 
the walk of shame. Like she had hickeys or something. Yeah. She literally had her throat slit. Yeah. I could see them not believe, you know, believing her. But this, I'm like slightly confused why they didn't believe her. But no judgment. I'm, you know, it's kind of like when you hear about a divorce, I'm you know, a, I'm you only hear one side. I'm judging just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> On the low, low. <laughs> she never really knew what happened to her. That video that they found of the woman being raped, tortured, that they were unable to identify, in it, the woman had tattoos. So they paused on the film and took still photographs of the tattoos and released them. A, anybody know these? Well, Kelly Garrett's ex-mother-in-law seen them and called and was like, yo, that's my ex-daughter-in-law. They called her in and were like, hey, these are tattoos? She's like, yeah. They're like, oh, we found a sex video of you being raped tortured all this horrific stuff and she said in that moment it was like everything flooded back to her because for years she'd been having nightmares about being chained to a table and all this stuff happening but she just thought it was nightmares because she never really remembered everything basically what the whole story what happened was on july 24th 1996 her and her husband got into a big fight so she was like i'm going to the bar i'm gonna go have some drinks play some pool blow off some steam so she goes to the bar. They went to a couple different bars and she said she didn't drink at any of them until they got to the Blue Water Saloon, the one they like to take their victims from. She said she had one beer and while she was drinking that beer, another friend needed a ride home. So she's like, well, I'll take you home because I haven't even finished a beer. And she was hanging out with Jesse Bray, his daughter, David Parker's daughter. So she's like, hey, I'll be right back. I'm gonna keep my shit here. These are the ones they had been friends for four years. So she said she fully trusted her. So she left, takes his other girl, comes back, finishes that beer, and that's all she remembered. So they had put drugs in her beer while she was gone, clearly. I'm sorry, allegedly. Allegedly. She roofies her, takes her back to her dad. They put her in the sex dungeon. Ray always used drugs that would induce amnesia and memory loss. Sodium phenotol and phenobarbital. And this way, they could never fully remember what happened to them and that was part of his plan i mean and it makes him unreliable as a witness yeah i hate to say it but he was fucking smart he was he picked the right victims he used these drugs and wherever all these bodies are yeah. he never found them spoiler alert so he raped and tortured her for two days while keeping her basically on date rape drugs is what it is and At the end of the two days, he slit her throat, dumped her on the side of the road. Miraculously, she survived. But again, nobody believed her. Her husband thought she was just cheating. (laughs) With all this new information coming to light, they've searched the toy box. They found these videos. They found these photographs. Henley decides it's probably in her best interest to just go ahead and talk with the police and tell them everything. She quickly folded, told them she knew of murders. Um, She told them that his daughter was helping because as far as what I could find from the research, she would drug the victims and bring them to her dad, but she didn't hang out and participate in everything going on. She's not on any videotapes. She was like a supplier. Basically. Which makes you wonder, like, what she get out? What, What did she get out of that? Well, I know that she had relationships with both men and women. Some of these victims she'd had relationships with so i don't know if it was like a scorned lover kind of like you know what i want you to meet my dad (laughs) yeah 
And Ooh. maybe these other women she attempted to have relationships with and was, they were like, no, I'm good. You know? She's like, I'll show you a thing or two then. Yeah. But as far as everything that I found, she wasn't actually involved in any of the torture or whatnot. And then she also told about Dennis Roy Yancey, who was also involved. So I didn't tell you anything about Dennis Yancey before, so we're going to tell you a little bit about him now. He was a frequent visitor at the Blue Water Saloon, and pretty much the best way I can sum him up was he was a complete and total waste of human flesh. He served a little bit in the Navy, Check. and he was kicked out with a dishonorable discharge. Check. <laughs> he was the actual cause of the town shutting Halloween down one year and the entire town because him and his friends decided it would be fun to go around the town strangling cats and destroying graveyards. So the Check. town was like, mm. there's another one. <laughs> yep. The town was like, no, no, no. Little kids are not going to be out trick-or-treating this year. So they said there was you no ruined it for everyone, which is one of the most magical fucking holidays. Yes. I'm like, you got to be real. I feel like there was probably even more than the strangling cats and destroying the graveyard. I mean, I'm not by any means destroying the graveyard, vandalism, kids, strangling cats, not quite so much normal. And it must have been a fuck ton of cats who were out there strangling Just for like the town to right. shut down Halloween. What Tabby ever fucking do to you? For real. And no telling what else that you don't know that they did that caused them to shut Halloween down because... Uh, I feel like there was probably even more. Oh, yeah. They're you just, know? like, let me get the tamest out of all the fucked up things they did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yancey admitted to participating in the murder of Marie Parker, a woman who was abducted, drugged, and tortured for days by Ray. Oh, I'm sorry. His daughter did participate in this one. My bad. I forgot about that. Before Yancey strangled her to death in 1997 after Ray told him to. Her murder is caught on video. Mm. They have video of them doing everything up to the murder. She was Yancey's ex-girlfriend. She was only 22 years old, and she was last seen on July 5th, 1997 at a saloon not far from the home, the Blue Water Saloon. She kind of led one of those lives where she'd be at home, then she'd be out like kind of living like a nomad. At one point, apparently she had some children. They lived in a pup tent on a beach, and so, again, she was one of those kind of perfect victims. Mm-hmm. Her family reported her missing when she didn't show up, but they, again, were like, eh, okay. No, that's what she does every Tuesday, so. Yeah. As I said, you see on the video that she was murdered. Uh, later on, Yancey admits to murdering her, and he tells authorities where they disposed of the body, and they went there, and the body wasn't there. Mm. They believe Ray went back and got the body and moved it. And to this day, her body has never been found. Never found him. So you know of at least one murder that is like 100%. For show. For show. And they still don't have the body. And in that desert, and there was a lake nearby, they'll probably never find him. There yeah. was hundreds and hundreds of miles of desert, and he was the park ranger. Come on, bro. He knows where all the caves and the old mine shafts and everything are. Absolutely. His bodies will never be found. Never. Unless we go out there, Becky. Fuck that. 
<laughs> You're like, nah, 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 nah. First of all, what makes you think the <laughs> desert in the heat with all that sun is the life for me, Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Count me out, too. I wasn't even thinking. That was stupid. I'm a silly goose. I'm going to jump right back in the pond. You are a silly goose. <laughs> you throw in some shade, some trees, some coverage from the sun, cool weather. I'm your girl. A nice we'll icy drink. Yeah. Nice cold pool. Well, I'll even go hike in cool I will hike to the areas. bars. I'll, I'll go to search for dead bodies with you in the forest. That's cool. I know. We Not need to the go desert. Like, like the Seattle yes. forest. You I know? will go search there cool, with you all day. A little dam. Yes. Then we get to go back to a fire in a jacuzzi. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I'm your girl. Number one. <laughs> Not the desert. Take your boy back here behind me. <laughs> Wait, bears? Mm. That's okay. Because Sasquatch is out there. He's got my back. He's got my back. Me and Sasquatch, we caught a vibe. We caught a vibe. <laughs> We're buds. I'm good. <laughs> He's got his eye on me all the time. Me and old skunk ape. <laughs> In their investigation of David Parker Ray's trailer, police found several more killings. And by that, I mean, so as a kid, David Parker Ray became fascinated in the journaling. Remember I told you his sister found all the pictures and whatnot. Well, he would also write in the journal. And he would just write for hours and hours when he was a child. Well, that carried into adulthood because they found droves of diaries written by him. And they detailed the murders, the kidnaps of multiple, multiple women. But the one thing he never included in any of them was where he put the body. Not in any of them. He told every detail of what he did. I'm talking the day, the time, what he did at that time. Very detailed. Mm. None of which that I could find was ever been released about him, about his. There's little snippets of pages, yeah, but they're very like vague. They're not the detailed stuff. But again, he never said in any of them where he put the bodies. And you know, we always say, if you don't want to get caught, you don't tell nobody. And mm -hmm. that is what he did. He didn't tell nobody. Not a fucking soul. Nope. Probably didn't even know Cindy Handy. She didn't know neither. The only body that her and Yancey knew about, David Ray went back and moved it later and didn't tell me went back and moved it. They still thought that's where she was. <laughs> but see, he knew. He knew that they get caught. You can't trust a bitch. They was going to talk, and they did. Snitches get stitches. Mm. Uh, this one, at, they found that second trailer I talked about with surgical tools, anatomy textbook, and a self-authored manual on how to restrain victims by David Parker Ray. And he, now he's adding author to the list? I mean, can this man be any more well-rounded? I mean. <laughs> yeah. In his book, Ray wrote that bondage was a must and that a net collar was always permanent. He included psychological torture methods like blindfold and use of a slow approach. He believed in slow, methodical, drawn-out torture. He wasn't about just, oh, let me stab you, let me do this. Think more of death by a thousand cuts kind of person. Mm. That's the kind of mindset he had. You know, we're going to reach the end, but we're going to take a real fucking long time to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Jimmy's Fun Facts. 
This methodology of torture comes from an ancient Chinese torture tactic known as Ling Chi, which translates loosely to slow slicing, lingering death, or death by a thousand cuts. Ling Chi, used in China from the 7th century up until 1905, involved binding a person to a wooden post where then the executioner would very slowly administer cuts to bare flesh, starting at the chest, working to the arms, then the thighs, exposing tissue and bone little at a time. After death, the victim would then be decapitated and have their limbs severed. This act would be meant to punish the convicted in both this life and in the next. His manual said to keep the victims off balance so their minds and bodies would be in a constant state of stress. You know, you want to, and God, I absolutely hate saying it, but I mean, he knew exactly what to do because yeah. you, you know, they fucked up with the chick that got away. They left the drugs out of her system long enough and walked away and gave her enough time to become aware of her surroundings to formulate right. a plan. And that was one of the things in his book. If Cindy Henney would have bothered to fucking read it. Damn you, Cindy. There's an SOP for a reason. Follow them. God damn. Is if you keep them in that constant limbo in their mind, so to speak, they can't ever formulate a plan to get away. They nope. can't ever get the wherewithal to do it. And you, if you keep them so psychologically tortured, they won't even want to think about getting away because they're too fucking scared to. Oh, yeah. But despite the evidence, these diaries, these manuals, these pictures, these videos, they were never able to create cases for many of them. And mainly because they knew who the fuck these people were. They had no bodies. They had no, you know... I would be interested to find if they went back and swabbed things now, if they ever found any DNA evidence, because this was the 90s. Yeah. So we were still in the very infantile yeah. state of it. Now we have touch DNA and all these other things. I'm interested if they went back now, what would they be able to find? And would they be able to, you know, we even use genealogy DNA to find who these people were, what they'd be able to find now. Everybody's getting they they data. Mm -hmm. Their DNA done. Hindi said she knew sites that Ray had told her that he put bodies. And supposedly Yancey did too. But they went to multiple sites that they told them and they never found any bodies there. So Ray was probably just lying. Mm -hmm. Telling them that's where they were. Maybe they all went out there and put them there and he moved them again. I don't fucking know. Hmm? We got three victims that we know of. That We got Cynthia, Kelly... And Angelica. Those are the only three he's ever charged with. But if we just put on our common sense cap for a moment, if you will. If a serial killer, and I use that because we know he is. I don't care what anybody says. Come at me. <laughs> uh, we'll put this much effort into a horrifying toy box. Spend that much money. Have everything that he did. Have the stories of these three victims who survived. Why would we think he hadn't been killing numerous women over the years? Hell, he said it in his books and everything that he did. He said it to people. And, and if we can't find the bodies of these recent women, you know we don't know about the ones then. And we know that they suspect that he murdered between 40 and 60 women. So that tells you the amount of videotape and, and photographs they have. is There's a reason they think that. Mm -hmm. They didn't just pluck a number from the fucking sky, you know. There are many unidentified personal effects and jewelry they found in his trailer, which also point to a greater number of, of victims. In 2011, the FBI released 400 pictures of items they believe belonged to victims. 
So I went through a couple pages of the pictures and there's like heart lockets, earrings, um, necklaces, uh, all, all kinds of, mostly jewelry is what I got through in the pictures I went through. And they have no idea who all this shit belongs to. Another one that touch DNA could be done on. Mm-hmm. Yep. The pictures they still have posted um, actively hoping that somebody will identify a piece of jewelry. Because, you know, a lot of times with us women, that's the key to identifying us is what's that one piece of jewelry we always wear that our family and significant other would know about. I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, Ray's daughter, a.k.a. his little princess. Mm. <laughs> she was his child from an early marriage, Glenda Jean, Jesse Ray, as they called her. Jesse Ray was 32 in 1999 when law enforcement arrested her and her father. Reportedly, she tried to warn the FBI about what he was up to back in 1986, 13 years before that. She called the FBI. FBI agent Doug Belden recalled Jesse Ray's claims. Quote, unquote, she alleged that David Parker Ray was abducting and torturing women and selling them to buyers in Mexico. So see, he could have even sold Oh, my when, God. He could have tortured them for months at a time and then sold them. Mm-hmm. The allegations were so nonspecific that the FBI couldn't act against Ray. So I'm assuming maybe she didn't know names or whatnot. But again, do a drive-by. Just a little check you Knock on the door. I'm sure there's a regional FBI office, as there is in every fucking state, that... They just twiddling their thumbs, I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. They're probably doing a lot of shit. But (laughs) I'm sure they got a fucking rookie that they can send out. Yeah. Damn. Just go have a conversation. You know how much money gets pumped into the FBI? I'm sure a lot. I don't know for facts, but. I'm positive a lot. (laughs) You know, just have a Hey, got a weird phone call. You you kidnapping anybody? Just a little something. You know what? Just even call the police to go by and see, hey. Let me take a little look around. Yeah. What's in this toy, haul- toy hauler right here? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anything going on? How are things? You know, put a little bug in his ear. At least let him know that we've heard something. Someone's watching you. Something. They're like, uh, you don't have enough details. I mean, just saying he's raping, torturing, and selling women in Mexico is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And you're his daughter? Like you would know. <laughs> You've only lived with him your whole life. Dumb bitch. Fucking dumb bitch. <laughs> But, you know, whatever. I wonder what the switch was. I wonder if she was like her father in that respect. Like, I don't want to do this. And then finally gave up and fell face first into it and just was like, you know what? This is my life now. I would like to think it was that innocent and pure that pure in the sense that she really wanted to do the right thing and by no choice was of her own was forced to do the wrong thing. But I don't know. Then groomed over years, 13 years. Yeah. Who knows? We'll never know. Prior to their arrest in 99, the Albuquerque Police Department had suspected Ray and his daughter in, 1990, in the 1995 disappearance of Jesse Ray's former girlfriend, 22-year-old Jill Tro- Trollier. Trollio. Troyai. I don't know. T-R-O-I-A. Troyai. She was an Asian-American woman who had come to Albuquerque uh, when she was in the U.S. Air Force. 
She was last seen in October 1995 at the Albuquerque Frontier Restaurant with Ray's daughter. Witnesses reported that they were outside and they had an argument. And Glenda told police that she just left her there at the restaurant. They were fighting. She bounced out and left with her dad. They didn't take her with them. Of course. And that they just went back home. Jailers were reported after her mother called the Albuquerque police from Michigan and said, yo, we haven't seen her, haven't heard from her, nothing. She was dating this girl. And that was it. That was all that was ever done about it. Nothing else. And I'm positive they took her back and I'm positive that she's dead. Positive. Long gone. Or sold to Mexico. Yeah. And one of the two. So now we're going to talk about the trials. So it was decided that Ray would face three separate trials, one for each victim. Angelica Montaño, she died before her trial. So he got off with that one. No victim, no one to testify, no trial. Which, I mean, it's smart that they separated all of them because you, you know, not putting all your fish in one bucket. Yeah. And definitely this motherfucker, you don't want him to get away. No. Because he's been smart enough to get away with so much that they'll never be able to charge him with. Mm -hmm. When Hindi admitted that she'd taken part in disposal of several bodies, um, but because the police were under unable to find remains, Ray again was only pro uh, prosecuted for the kidnapping, torture, and rape. In his first trial, two jurors refused to convict him. One dismissing his behavior to the New York Daily News as simply rough sex, despite testimony and evidence that the events weren't consensual. So it ended in a hung jury's first trial. So they go back for a second trial. This case had to be retired because a few days into it, the judge died. So now we're at trial number three. The third one was the charm, however, and Ray was convicted on all counts and sentenced to 224 years behind bars. The police believed that he was responsible for anywhere between 40 and 60 deaths. But without the bodies, they couldn't prosecute. So, let me tell you a little bit. So, the third one didn't really end with the jury convicting him. He ended up saying, let's stop the trial. I'm just going to plead guilty. Because when they brought Cynthia up on the stand... The prosecutor came over and laid the dog collar that was used on her down in front of her. And they said she lost her fucking mind. She stood up and started screaming at him in the courtroom. Um, put herself into such a tizzy. They had to call EMS. They had to take her out and sedate her because she was just. The trauma. Yeah. And, and they had said that when she went to the hospital. After she escaped that she was like all in a fucking tizzy and they had to call maintenance workers to get the collar off because even though she had gotten the padlock off it was like fucking fused together or whatnot maintenance workers had to come in like use like fucking bolt cutters to get it off and they said as soon as they got it off she immediately calmed down so bringing that back in there was just stirring all that up and they said that ray said okay let's stop this is enough i'm just gonna plead guilty all right so kind of him to Thank care you. that much, wasn't it? Mm. Now, part of his deal was he'll plead guilty to everything and give him all the time he wants, but they he wanted them to take his daughter's sentence away. Yeah. Because that's his princess. Oh, my God. She got less time. We'll go into hers in just a moment. 
Next, Dennis Cianci, who had eventually copped to the strangling of Marie Parker, his former girlfriend, he pled guilty. He was convicted of second-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and was sentenced to two 15-year terms. He only ended up having to do one of the 15-year terms and got out after 11 years, and he's free walking on the streets. Not to mention all the other shit that you know he was involved in. Mm -hmm. He's just out there living his best life. Henley, who testified against Ray, was sentenced to 36 years in prison for kidnapping and torture. She only served half of her sentence because legislation at the time allowed for early release. The law was amended just three months after Henley was sentenced and rewritten to require criminals to serve 85% of their sentencing. So after her is when they said, no, you got to serve 85%, but just shy of that is when she was sentenced. She was released in July of 2019. So she out there living her best life free, too. I, <laughs> you get out of prison. Fuck you, COVID. <laughs> Not that, and you then, know, like, I, uh, just, here's the kicker with I her. I want something, something against her, you know? So she got out. Oh, she just gets to keep leaving a wonderful life. She got out and she moved to Montana. Okay. So where she currently lives, as of the last article that I could find, that was 2020 or 2021. And Montana was hot. They're like, we don't want nothing to do with this bitch. <laughs> well, apparently she was living in an area that was close to schools and whatnot. Well, you know, she's a sex offender. Well, because of when she was sentenced in laws at that time, and then the laws in Montana, she's registered as basically like a low-tier sex offender is what you would call it. They have different tiers, like one, two, three, four, five. Well, she's a one. So therefore, she has no restrictions over where she can live. Yeah. So there's basically that is the most bullshit rule. Oh, tier one, you're mm-hmm. good. You yeah. know what? You want to live next to a daycare? Go ahead, knock yep. yourself out. You fucking kidding me? <sighs> Damn, I get yep. your shit together. So she's out there living her best life, which some of it isn't necessarily Montana's fault because you fall into when she was sentenced and convicted and what her stipulations were at that time. And unfortunately, just because our laws progress and say no, we're not going to be so light about that anymore. You you can't retrovert it to somebody who was sentenced under different things. No. Which is fair and not fair, but that's a double-edged sword that we won't even go down today because I could go off the rabbit hole into that. <laughs> Rather than getting out on parole, Hindi served two more years of that 2019 so that when she was released, she's not on parole, so therefore she's under no stipulation to answer to the state nor required to tell officials where she's living or what she's doing. Because, again, of the sex offender, she doesn't have that stipulation. And then they used to do that when I was at the prison a lot. They would tell guys, like, you can get out right now. You got three years of parole. Or you can do, like, 18 more months. And then you have no no parole when you get out. And they would choose that. And I don't blame them. I would choose that, too. Because then when I get out, I don't want to have to fuck around with y'all no more. Don't want to have to do community service. You don't want to have to pay parole fees and stuff. Yeah, I don't want to have to check in with you. I don't want to have to all of that. I want to be done with it. And not necessarily because they plan on getting out and doing bad things again. But... One little slip up in your back. I would rather just get out and know I'm done. And let me tell you, pr- probation and parole, that court takes forever. So yes. whatever progress you made, you've completely undone it. Yep, exactly. Old Ray, like I said, David Parker, got 224 years. The justice of Ray's sentence was short-lived, though. On May 28, 2002, while he was being transferred, because, you know, 
when you're doing trial, you're in county jail. And then when you tidy all that up, then you get your, you do a little bit more time at the jail. They get all your paperwork and your ducks in a row, and then you go to the prison. He's heading to the prison. He gets there. He's in a holding cell. They're doing all his paperwork, and he has a massive heart attack in the cell, and he dies. He never served one day of his sentence in prison. Not one. He died the first day as soon as he arrived of a massive heart attack. After he kept all these women hostage and prisoners and tortured them, and his fucking time was coming, because let me tell you, they were not going to be kind to that motherfucker. No, no. Fuck no. He fucking died and got out of the whole thing. I think that would piss me off the most as a victim. Because oh, I'd yeah. just be itching for him to get there. and Get hurt. Yeah. Get retribution. You need to get tortured. Yep. He was only 62 years old. <laughs> to the presumed dismay of his living victims, nobody involved in race crime did as much time as they probably should have. Henley served only 20 years over 36 years. And again, Yancey only served 11. And Ray only served technically two years. But that's because he died of a heart attack. So... He didn't really serve any time because he did his time in jail while they did the trial and whatnot, but he never actually served any of. And then the daughter got off with no prison time, just some probation because that was part of his plea agreement. As far as we know that Yancey and Hindi told about victims and so on and so forth bodies, Ray was cooperative in the investigation to an extent. He didn't necessarily deny anything, mm -hmm. but he was very Ed Gein. Like when he talked about it, he talked about it almost mm. in a fictional sense. Like, like if that did happen. Yes, exactly what he did. He's like, well, I enjoy pleasuring women and doing this and that, you know, or he would talk about torture methods and this and that, but he would speak of it as though it were fictitious and he were just telling you a story, not things that actually happen. Mm. He never admitted to uh, where any victims were or that there were any victims' bodies, never told where anything was. So now he's dead. So obviously we're never going to hear anything from him. No. The people that did tell us stuff, they went and searched, but they never found anything. <sighs> Unfortunately, we will just never know unless they stumble upon bones, which I doubt they ever will. Yeah. And that is the horrific story of the toy box killer, David Parker Wright. That was sour. Yeah. Kind of sweet, I guess. He died. It's I hope he's burning in hell. If there is one, not saying I know, but if there is one, I hope this motherfucker is in some stirrups. Oh, and you saying all that triggered this in my mind for some reason. I forgot to, to add that in here. It's just part of my non-written commentary I was going to add. You know, they always say when you go around and ask, origin, all this guy was a killer. Everybody's like, no, he's a great guy. Blah, 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 blah. Well, they did say this about him. They said that he was like such a nice guy that he was like the type of guy that you need like something fixed around your house and someone's like complaining at work, man, you know, this porch rock. He'd be like, I'll come over there and help you. And he would. He would legitimately come over and help people with things like that. Do just things for people was so kind. He was so kind and nice. And the fact that nobody ever thought this, that when they arrested him, his boss put him on paid leave because he believed that much that there was no fucking way he did this. But if you think about it, why would anybody think he was? Because 
he didn't go get them victims. He had other people get them. So no. he was never the creeper at the bar, acting shady, acting sus. He was always able he was to shown fly at the under, house. Yeah, and women don't get labeled as shady, to be honest, when they, they should don't. be sometimes. You know, we all have come across that woman that makes us feel uncomfortable. So mm. this is fucked up, man. Yeah. Well, let's talk about wonderful things like merch. Yeah, let's do it. We got merch. We've got a Facebook and an Instagram. Drop in our DMs with any stories you may have, any comments, questions, concerns, critiques. We'd love to hear it. Get all up in them. Yes. Yes. Definitely drop us an email if you need longer than a DM. Um, I'm definitely down to read. Me too. And then... It, on whatever p- platform you're listening, if you could rate and subscribe so we can spread the sickness that is Jen and Becky. Please, pretty please, with the cherry on top. <laughs> and until next time. Stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And please don't bring it too close to home because I don't want to tell your story like I did about the toy box killer because it was really traumatic, y'all. Trauma. Trauma, trauma. Self-induced trauma at that, too. I oh, chose I do that. this life. life. People will say, oh, you don't want to read about this one because it's going to be rough. And I'll be like, no, no, I need to fucking know. (laughs) When you tell me I don't, I automatically need to right then. (laughs) Until you listen to 30 minutes of the Toy Box Killer talk about the horrific things he's going to do, don't tell me what's too much for me. Don't you tell me. (laughs) I know me. I know my limits. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.